Hi, everybody. I, I love that recording in progress. Uh, welcome to Conversations with Calvin We the Species. And uh, it's January 18th. Uh, and we're a few days away from maybe it's going to snow again here at the Jersey Shore. Uh, and I, uh, this is such an anticipated uh, interview uh, that Sharon and I have been talking about this for a long time, for a long time, and it's here. And we finally, we finally yeah. did it. And, and we've been prepping for this and chatting about this. And uh, uh, it's very special because we, we kind of met uh, 11, 10, 11 years ago as I entered the world of music here. Uh, as a journalist, uh, uh, and Sharon was so prominent in that, and we met at some environmental thing. We were talking about that last week. So uh, I don't want to hear myself talk anymore. This was my uh, very ineffective, short Johnny Carson monologue. Uh, and when I say that to lots of people, they don't know who the hell I'm talking about, Johnny Carson, which kind of dates, sort of dates us, but doesn't. Know. Our friends all know. Okay, good. So without further ado, uh, let me introduce Sharon Lasher. Uh, just say hello and do bio, and then we're gonna jump into your life, which uh, according to Ralph Edwards, do you remember him? He did that TV show a long time ago called This Is Your Life. Mm -hmm. This is your life, Sharon Lasher. So, take it away. Thanks, Cal. It's good. it's good to see you after all this time. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, I guess the, the best way to start this uh, off uh, is for you to talk about your your musical beginnings and your influences and, and how all this music came into your life. You know, home, church, your neighborhood, uh, uh, community th theater. I mean, there's so much that has gone into you that has made you what you are well you know music was just always people always ask me you know how did it start when did you start singing and you know uh, i just don't ever remember not singing um because there was always music in the house i'm the fourth of of six kids um so my brothers are like 18 months 18 months 18 months older than me so they had their music right you know they were listening to in their rooms and but on the living room you know, it was that giant console, you know, record player. Uh, uh, so my mom was always playing uh, Nat King Cole and the Mills Brothers and Andy Williams and, uh, you know, beautiful music like that. Uh, Nelson Riddle Orchestra. So I just was listening to everything. And then on the third floor, my oldest brother, Michael, was listening to you know, uh, Bowie and, and Lou Reed and Mountain and uh, everything, you know, Iggy Pop, 10CC, all that kind of stuff. So I just, it was always, it was just always there. And so the, there was always music you, from floor to floor. You would have, you would have different, different music in our tiny little house. So you were going to hear it, you know. Um, so that was it, you know, and I loved singing in church. I loved uh, listening to the radio. I mean, when I was young, it was always AM radio, you know, pop music. But then there was always three and four part harmonies, you know, then the Beatles and, and uh, you know, uh, Beach Boys and that kind of uh, harmony stuff. So just lucky enough to always, my parents loved music. My father was deaf in one ear from, uh, I think it was Scarlet Fever when he was three. Wow. But, uh, so he, did, he wasn't a great singer, but he sang, he knew every word to every song ever, you know, uh, and sang. So that it was, it was it. If, if you made a statement, my father would just start singing that phrase in, in a song that had that phrase kind of thing. So surrounded by music all the time. So you were surrounded by music all the time and, and, yeah. and that just kind of helped mold you. Um, you you're a West Orange girl. West Orange girl. And and I used to yeah. hang around West Orange back in the day. Uh, well, I'm telling you, you know, I tell everyone uh, I'm from West Orange, the center of the universe, and they giggle. And I say, no, I'm not kidding, because everywhere I go, even when I travel over to Ireland, I, I there's always these connections back to, yeah. uh, to West Orange yeah. and people I know. And yeah. uh, 
it's very interesting. It's uh, it's kind of cosmic. All the connections that come back to West Orange, even though even that you yourself yeah. used to hang out there. You know, the, yeah. we, we've, only, we've only met ten years ago, but you have your connection to West Orange. I sure do. As a matter of fact, I just finished my, my second novel, and there's a piece of it that you know, it's fiction, but there's a piece of it that comes from West Orange because it influenced, it influenced my life. Uh, it did. Uh, and, and that's West Orange. And I played some hoops there too at some point uh, back in, in high school. Uh, they thought I was a ringer. Look, that's not important. But so that's your music. <laughs> and um, they thought you were the ringer, huh? Yeah, you know, they thought I was a ringer. It's a long story. It's not important uh, because I was kind of tall. Uh, I, yeah, tall. Of I am mm -hmm. tall and, and they didn't think it another thing we have in common yeah you know our height and, and basketball so um did you play uh i know i don't know if i've even asked you this uh, ever did you ever play a high school girls basketball uh best there, yes of course i played basketball started in ninth grade excuse me in, in 10th grade which was high school so our high school was Mountain High School, or two high schools in West Orange. We went to Mountain to on Pleasant Valley right. Way. Uh, right, on Conforti Avenue and Pleasant okay. Valley, yeah. Um, so, but our high schools were uh, 10, 11, 12. So our middle schools were 7, 8, 9, the public schools, 7, 8, 9, and then 10, 11, 12. So there were no sports in the school for me. Um, there was cheerleading only up until ninth grade. Wow cheerleading only. So I'm embarrassed to say, well, I'm not really, but yes, I was a cheerleader for the football team uh, until, uh, um, you know, did PAL uh, cheerleading and then ninth grade uh, cheerleading. But uh, so basketball actually didn't start officially until 10th grade, but I was playing on the courts with all, all the guys, you know, I was always playing it. And then, uh, excuse me, let me take that back. We had, that was public school. I went to Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic School and our CYO, um, we had basketball. So Jackie Cassidy was our coach for um, seventh and eighth grade. So we played, we played uh, in grammar school, but that was Catholic school. Um, nothing in, in for the middle school when I went to ninth grade and then we started basketball again in ninth grade okay. so and but then it was always like I said on the at the park softball started at 10 years old uh again PAL only not uh in the schools till till much later um so Mrs. Bolin started uh started softball league uh so we didn't just have to be cheerleaders we could play <laughs> you know wow. uh so when I was young it was uh basketball and softball and and swim team and then high school it was basketball and field hockey which i'd never heard of started playing field hockey and uh you did so high school field hockey in the fall and basketball and softball okay so you actually uh you were part of the generational change a whole cultural change that yeah that girls before and, women and after were... title nine before yeah. and after title nine and so so it affected me as far as finally being able to have a, a girls team because, you know, I, I always played at the park and I, I was good. So I could play with the boys, but not on a, an official team, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't allowed. And um, so it was tra that transitional time for sports and well, a whole lot of things, but also when I became an adult and after teaching a little, uh, which we'll talk about, I, I was also in that uh, Title IX changed a lot of things happening in business. You know, it couldn't just be the good old boys club anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, there were women like myself who wanted to be in business and good <laughs> and could do a good job, you know? Uh, so it, yeah, you know what? It's, it's, I tell people that it's, it's a matter of the time that I grew up, you know, uh, I didn't go out of my way uh, to be the first about anything. Uh, it, I just was, you know, uh, I was the first uh, to get a, I think I, 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 I'm not positive, but I think I was the first girl to get an athletic scholarship. And I got a division one uh, scholarship to Monmouth College. 
which is Monmouth University now. But uh, I, I, and, and we didn't even think about that. Girls are training. Everyone's training for that now, paying your thousand dollars for your, your uh, private coaching and all this. It was still a time when we were, I was singing for fun and I was playing sports for fun. There was no thought. I, I had no idea that you could even get a scholarship to go to college. Oh. Honestly, I had no idea. Oh. So I was as shocked as anybody else because I got a private, uh, I was invited down for, uh, to a practice for like a, a private tryout. And uh, a guy named Gary Massa from West Orange was playing at Monmouth. He was a scholarship athlete. He said, hey, you got to go see this girl. We didn't have a great team. So I, I didn't, you know, nobody came to see us. You know, we were, we were just a regular average basketball team. Softball now, we won, the, we won the league, but um, so that's how, you know, it, it happened and I was shocked, you know, uh, and before us, I think my junior year, Cal was the first time that we got box scores in uh, the Star Ledger, wow. my junior year. So that would have been the basketball season of 76, 75, 76. You know, so my it was my junior year and, and we would get the box score and that's all we get your name. And if you, you know, you know, points, rebounds. Um, and then, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting transitional time. No stats kept before that. And they were barely kept, you know, just the, how many points you scored. Nobody was really keeping track of your, you know, any other statistics that all the guys had four managers on the bench keeping track of all that stuff. You know, we, we were just really getting started. And my, my high school coach, Judy Reese, uh, is in the New Jersey Hall of Fame uh, because she was instrumental in getting girls sports to become interscholastic, you know, recognized, governed interscholastic uh, New Jersey sports. Wow. You know, again, again, that was the time those women it was do or die. They used Our to pioneers. drive us in their in her car to a field and and bring a bunch of girls and fill up her 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 convertible Mustang and other girls had cars and we would drive over to Montclair and some other gym teacher, good athlete woman would get a bunch of the girls from their school and we would play against each other before you know before it became actually okay. There's Mountain High School team, you know, so. Talk about dating yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just did. And, and, and it's funny. I, 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 I go back. I go back and there was no, there was nothing with girls sports back when I was in high school. There's nothing. It, it, it just didn't exist. Well, my, mom, my mom was not an athlete at all. She's, she's a good singer and played the piano a bit, but um. So her generation, and actually some girls just a little older than me told me they did this in school, where they had uh, three and three, you had three on your team that were offense and three that were defense. And you could only take three dribbles and then you had to pass the ball. Like it's mind blowing to even imagine, you know, uh, no, I missed that. <laughs> I didn't have to do that. <laughs> you know, uh, it was regular, regular basketball, okay. you know. So you have a your your name uh is, is sharon pipes lasher uh we're These now, days. We're now These moving days, into music how did that name come about well you know what I, I do have a lot of nicknames uh lasher tends to you know it lends itself to lasher and slasher and crasher and you know different circumstances it's a good one um, but, uh, the pipes part of it, uh, just came back up in these last couple of years. So COVID hit and everybody was stuck inside. And, uh, I just started producing little shows, uh, outside at the Asbury Elks and a couple other places. Um, so people were coming to watch shows COVID friendly outside, uh, in all kinds of weather. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that I was doing, all of a sudden I have this huge, fabulous band, PK and, and Paul and Gary and, and Lance and, and, and Joe Knapp uh, and sometimes horns, you know, 
as it got bigger and bigger, it was big rock and roll. You know, I'm singing, singing, uh, you know, Grace Slick and I'm singing all, all this big stuff. So I'm wailing on some of these songs, you know. So uh, one of the gals, uh, the friends on the music scene, uh, uh, Susan Rees, she just started saying that at one of the shows. She was saying, wow, Sharon really has these pipes. You have to come and hear Sharon sing. Holy cow, she has these pipes. So it just, she started writing it and saying it, and it just sort of happened. And then it got in the a little newspaper article and, and, and people just started saying it. And so I just like adopted it, which is usually what happens. Even Sharon Lasher and the Flashers, I, I didn't come up with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit John Fernandez, the fabulous uh, blues guitar player for the, uh, the Incinerators, you know. He's in the Jersey Shore Jazz and Blues Foundation, and he's a great player. Well, he and Paula Vruten and I were a trio for a while back doing the Light of Day stuff at the Wonder Bar, like, you know, eight, nine years ago. I don't know, something like that. And so we need to come up with a name and we were just fooling around. And as I said, Lasher, Flasher, Crasher, you know, it all just happens. So we were giggling and John ran with it. His son was there. He started taking photographs and they put Lasher and the Flashers on. And it just, again, it just happened. People giggled and remembered it. So even when I wanted to, to change it, they were like, well, don't people, it's, it's fun and funny and people will remember it. And you want people to remember the name of your band. So, you know, uh, Lasher and the Flashers came, came from that and stuff. You seem to remember. Um, Great name. So, and Pipes is fun and it, you know, uh, so where where flashers is is giggly funny um uh pipes is to me it's quite a compliment and i'm very proud that somebody would say it and then somebody else would say it and people would say yeah that's a, a good idea so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that it's pretty cool it is cool and you've heard me sing so you know i, I yeah i, do, I have i, I, I do I some have. wailing <laughs> i i, I have um I, going back uh, some years, uh, uh, you, you had you had done a Linda Ronstadt song, you know, "When Will I Be Loved," and and you belted that out like like nothing I've ever heard. You're true, I'm not just saying it because you're there. I mean, it was like wow, it was it was a wow for me. Uh, you briefly touched. Uh, um, because you're kind of intergenerational, uh, you're like a composite of different musical generations, um, and you briefly touched on it. But if you can go back again and, and kind of elaborate uh, all your musical influences, because we briefly touched, you know, you said Simon Garfunkel and and Andy Williams. Well, yeah, I, well, yeah the early ones were, you know, when I was a kid, where like I said, all the all the bubblegum stuff, but. Um, Really, where things changed is my brother Michael bought me uh, in 1974 or five, uh, bought me, 74, I guess, for Christmas, bought me uh, Bonnie Raitt's third album called Home Plate. And um, it just completely blew my mind because, like I said, I heard what was on the third floor and over there in the other bedroom and downstairs, but there was nothing like this. And I was just completely blown away and just like wearing it out, wearing the album out. And it was something in my wheelhouse as far as my voice, my tone. Um, I was too young at 15 to really understand, you know, this, this adult topics that were going on, the love and the heartbreak and all that. I was just a kid still beating up the boys, you know, I hadn't gotten to any, any, uh, heartbreak stuff, you know? So um, uh, that I would say would be the biggest single influence on me musically mm -hmm. would be Bonnie Raitt and that particular album at that particular time at 15 years old when I'm just starting to grow up. And of course, at that same time, it was um, Bruce Springsteen, but Bruce Springsteen spoke to a different part of me. And that was still 
really those first two albums they're still my favorite first two albums greetings and, and, and e street that those um those again it's part of the time uh the people that i was with driving in the mustang down the shore you know with the rolling down the window and letting the wind blow back my hair you know singing all this bruce stuff but uh bonnie rates um she cut through everything for me. Her voice, the tone of her voice, the emotion that she could bring, her way of interpreting music, um, it made me listen in a very different way. And it certainly influenced the way that I, I sing and the music that I like. I then had to go back, you know, to her first couple of albums, which were really the bluesy ones. You know, Taj Mahal was on those, those albums and, and, and Freebo on it, Fretless Bass and you know, uh, James Taylor singing background and stuff. So um, that was my introduction to me to adult music. Mm -hmm. And then it was uh, Jackson Brown who wrote a bunch of the songs that I was listening to Bonnie sing. Um, you know, I was young and thought that whatever songs people sang, they wrote them themselves. They wrote them, they played. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I was innocent. I didn't know. But uh so that would be the triumvirate, the triumvirate. Can I say that right? Uh, Bonnie true. Ray, Jackson Brown, and, uh, and Bruce Springsteen. Um, and then you're going to go with, you know, James Taylor and all that other music that came out, like No Nukes. I was at three of the No Nukes shows in, in 1979. Um, and that's when I really started going to concerts. You know, it wasn't... I only went to some in high school. I went to Bonnie Raitt. My first shows were at the Capitol Theater, you know, up in Passaic. Um, but that that just completely influenced me. And they each had, each of the people I just mentioned there had their individual specific style of, of harmonies mm -hmm. that are singular to them, just as their voice and their style of playing is. The harmonies and the way they write is also. So it influenced me uh, in my heart as a singer and as a musician all the way around in ways that I didn't really understand because I never studied music. I just, I just, I listen and I learn from everybody, you know, I don't have any training. I just sing, you know? Uh, so I would say that would be the biggest influence, okay. you know, and then you got Smokey Robinson and all that kind of beautiful music with, uh, Aretha Franklin and, and, uh, Linda Ronstadt and, and um, uh, you know, then all the funky music, all of that, you know, that just, uh, that brought a whole freedom that the other beautiful songs, you know, you have Nelson Riddle orchestras, which I love. And then you have Sly and the Family Stone. And then Lou Reed upstairs in between that I'm getting here. <laughs> you know? uh, so a lot, a lot of that's influence. a lot of stuff that's done into you. Well, and you know, so that's the thing, you know, before I was doing Lasher and the Flashers with this great band that I have, um, I was doing duo and trio stuff with, you know, ballads and, and songs that people didn't necessarily know. Uh, singer songwriters that influenced me now hugely like uh, um, Neil Finn from Crowded House and, uh, and the Finn brothers, he and his brother. And uh, um, of course, Lucinda Williams, you know, I came a little bit later to, I wasn't cool enough. I came a little bit later to some of these other uh, Texas blues and, and, and uh, that kind of stuff. But all of that influences me. I feel like I just naturally have a very bluesy, no matter what song I'm singing, I feel like I have a, a blues sensibility in the way that I, interpret it and sing it and that's the way it feels to me a lot of times people say that you know they get a country feel from me or that i should sing country songs you know uh you know i just i don't know i i sing the way a song makes me sing it and that's what i'm that's what i'll be coming up to now the next shows that i have coming up will be um they won't be when will I be loved and they won't be the big songs that everybody knows. And I believe me, I had so much fun uh, these past two years with, with uh, singing all the, all the big songs, you know, um, 
But I, you know, like everybody else, this has been a tough couple of years. And I've had, with both of my parents, I've had a really very difficult time. And I feel like um, I have some very heartfelt, beautiful songs, uh, emotional songs that I need to sing right now. You know, living in the USA is great. We're so proud of living in the USA. It's great. But that's not moving me right now at this point. It's now here's a new transition. Um, there's other beautiful songs that I've been hearing recently that uh, that make me need to sing them. Does, listen, COVID has affected the whole world. Has COVID changed some of your direction and the things that you want to express and sing? Has it? It's changed. Uh, I, I think it's probably changed everyone's perspective. Uh, I'm seeing, so when before COVID started, I was living in brick, uh, a few blocks away from my parents, and commuting up here to Asbury for all the shows and everything. And isolation started. And because my parents were uh, 88 years old, my brother, Michael, and I were like totally following protocol. When we went shopping, we washed everything down before it came in the house, all that kind of stuff. And we did that for well, at least the first year, you know? Uh, and I was going from, you know, being out most nights, either singing or listening. You know, I have a million, all my friends are playing and there's so many great bands here. I, I need to go hear them and I need to go, you know, dance. So that all, of course, changed. Um, right away with Lasher and the Flashers, we, um, we made a few um, really cool videos. So we uh, recorded in, and you've seen them, we each recorded in our own living rooms. Uh, Lance sent out the drum beat. Okay, so that that was our click track. Sent it out to us. We put our headphones on and we did each did our part. Wow. Wow. And then we sent it back to Lance, and Lance put it together like um, like the Brady Bunch, you know, the faces, and and did a really super job. And so he did that, and everybody, you know, also started, you know, doing live feeds. So we were doing that, but you know. I need people, you know me, I never shut up. Listen to me. I, I need to be with people. I need to sing to people, you know? Uh, so to, to be doing this and having my little thing set up and singing to me, cause I see my face, you know, it was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was having fun. I did have a good time. I learned some things cause I'm a boomer. So, you know, I'm not very good with the technology stuff. But um, we, we did a pretty good job getting, jumping right out and just getting on to doing live stuff. So for a good while, I did the live. And then that just sort of faded out. I was doing in my, my garden walks in the morning where um, I, I had a big uh, community garden where I had two huge plots. So I would walk down every day and I would, I would do live from the garden, you know, day and night, uh, live feeds. Cool. But, you know, I, so then I just needed people. So I started producing those outdoor shows, you know, and, and then at uh, McCann start doing them in the evening. We would do, I call them Lasher and the Flasher pop-up shows because on Thursday night we would go, hey, look, the weather looked like it's going to be in the 40s on Saturday. Let's do a show. Cool. Think about it. In the 40s. It's going to be warm enough. Let's do a show. We did shows. My last outdoor show uh the year before was december 13th wow and mark ribbler wow. kept going all through the whole winter because he was doing the daytime it was too cold to be out <laughs> temperature after four o'clock got really cold but we did i did 16 outdoor shows from uh september until december 13th and then uh mark ribbler went straight through almost every saturday wow. they they even shoveled the snow on one of the days so mm. that the band could stand on the grass where the rest of us stood on the wow. snow. Wow. So, uh, and that, that's what brought it to Lasher and the Flashers with this world-class band that I have, because those guys weren't 
nobody was doing anything. So now all of a sudden they're available and there were only Mark had his, you know, bands pretty much set. That's his thing. He's so incredible. And there was, I don't think anybody else, there might've been one or two other bands somewhere. And then Lasher and the Flashers just became this fantastic PK label, you know, from John Eddie's band and from uh, a band without fear. Uh, And he's played with everybody. He's played with Bruce. He's been on stage, played with uh, Paul McCartney you know, Paul of Rutten is a consummate uh, bass player, consummate musician. He writes music, he charts music, reads music. See, that's the other thing. A lot of these guys, they have those other skill sets that I don't have. I don't read music. Uh, uh, I do write music, but that's a story for our next interview. Yes. We'll, get to, we'll, we'll get to the writing part of that. I'm, yes. not, I'm not ready for that yet. Um, I'm having too much fun doing doing what i'm doing but but that'll be the next segment we'll 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 talk about the songs that uh, i'm writing hey uh, i'm here i sit here <laughs> seven days a week i wear out chairs uh i'm here so we just keep coming oh, back well that's how it happened i was like i can't take it anymore i'm wearing out chairs and i'm, I'm eating uh, if i don't get out i'm gonna just be 100 you know 100 more pounds by next week so i i gotta uh and 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 you know gary oliar on fiddle and guitar and he can play every instrument you know um three years ago we were we recorded we've got four and a half songs cal this is me the knucklehead we have four and a half songs recorded wow. in gary's studio uh, the other one's waiting for a uh, harmony and uh so that was in 2000 when was that? Was it 17, 18? Holy camoly. Um, and then life happened and health things happened and I didn't go back into the studio and I didn't want to go back in and record when I wasn't, when I was in pain. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that because that energy would come through. You know what I'm saying? So um, I let a lot of time go by because I wasn't ready for my energy to be recorded and I'm, I'm getting closer to go back and do it again. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, the band, uh, are we looking ahead? Would you be able to do some, some, by the way, my own personal theory, uh, is this, this Omicron thing is going to burn out. And then by springtime, uh, I, I think we'll be back in a place where we can all start getting out and doing stuff. So you, you, well, you... I, I think it's, uh, I, I hope you're right. I think you're right. Listen to what, what's being said. You know, do I know? I don't know anything. Uh, I'm vaxxed. I'm boosted. Uh, unfortunately I did actually get it, um, on December 26th, but I got it so lightly, uh, as they said, um, wow. uh, cold symptoms i had a snotty head but i always do it this time of year and oftentimes i actually get bronchitis and need a uh, antibiotic it wasn't it was so mild uh i didn't even i was shocked when i took the test and found out it was positive wow. so i continued i i was uh, uh quarantining for two weeks before that when i got back from ireland anyway then i found out on the 26th that um uh i was exposed and i i tested and it was positive i quarantined for the next, uh, I quarantined until Friday, my mother's birthday. Mom turned 90 uh, on Friday. Uh, the, uh, so I quarantined. So on New Year's Eve, I was on the beach by myself singing <laughs> out, out, on the, out by the, the, uh, the jetty. And uh, I've just been walking from here to uh, the Belmar Bridge, you know, Wow. And back. That's uh, that's about six miles. I've been yeah. doing that um, almost every day. Well, that's great. Um, and uh, so now I got I tested negative again. These things we I tested negative last week so that I could go spend my my uh, mom's ninetieth birthday with her. And uh, but I'm gonna start. I haven't been out to anything. You know, Sandy Mac has his great shows, and you know that's so necessary for all of us to let our spirit free, you know, to get, get rid of some of the stress, you know, and lots of everybody's out, you know, Andy, Andy and Dee, you know, they're, they're out there regularly, Kevin Hill. Um, but I, I was doing six or eight shows, uh, up until November 
or every month. And I, I just, uh, I got a little fried, you know, um, in that time. So um, I just decided to take a little break. I only did three shows in November. Went to Ireland for my birthday. Yeah, I want to talk about that. that Dang my, my way next. around Ireland and, and, and had some fun. Um, uh, made some new friends, sang in some new places. Uh, but, but what I went for to treat myself was uh, specifically to sing, to hear um, my favorite female singer, Eilish Kennedy, uh, sing in Dingle and then to wow. sing with uh, Sean Ryan in, uh, in Galway. Those, those were my birthday presents to me. Uh, this so you've been, uh, I'd love to talk about this. You, you've been doing for a number of years these amazing, wonderful trips to Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and you would spend weeks and weeks there. Uh, yeah. Uh, how did that come about? And, and uh, talk a little bit about your adventures in Ireland. I, All right. Well, it, yeah. Uh, in 2016, was my first trip. Um, I was uh, teaching science and, and special education in Point Pleasant Beach. And I also did the summer school program. Uh, so we had only the last two weeks of, of August off at that time. Uh, and I'm retired, as you know. But um, so that was 2016. And um, one, of, one of our music community, uh, Ed McIntosh, uh, he and his wife, um, Felicia were like this beautiful couple. They, they had a glow around them at all times. And he retired. They moved down to Florida. I was loving watching their development of, of him building the house and all this stuff, you know. And um, six months later, he died of a massive heart attack. This beautiful man, this beautiful spirit. And he was younger than me by quite a few years. And I just was like, that was like this wake-up call to me. Um, I've been called, Ireland's been calling me all of my life, but, you know, I, responsibilities kept me uh, from doing that. And, uh, you know, we sent our parents for their 50th wedding anniversary, and most people I know, all my, you know, communities been there. But so when he passed, uh, it just knocked me off my feet. And I just said, you know what, I'm not going to die and not get to Ireland. So I just went and threw it on a credit card. I didn't have any money. I went and threw it on a credit card and I booked uh, 10 days in Ireland. I flew into Shannon and that's all I did, Cal. I just booked a flight for 10 days. When I got there, I rented a car. Wow. And I drove wow. to Galway and the adventure began. Wow. And the universe just took care of me and took me to amazing things. Now, see, I know you'll appreciate this. Some people will laugh or think about coincidence and things like that, but you and I know better. So uh, I got a B and B. That in and of itself could be a whole comedy routine, but we'll, I finally got a, a place to stay. And uh, cause the way Irish give directions, oh my God. So I drove right into Galway proper, parked my car, and I saw a double-decker red bus, so I figured, let me do that, learn, like, take it for an hour, learn the, the lay of the land, and then go, go about my business. And uh, I get on that little double-decker bus, and the very first thing that the driver says is, and this here is the remains of Blake Castle. My mother's Dars Blake. Oh, wow. I get all verklempt. It's the first thing anybody says to me, you know. Wow. And, but this is... This is how the universe went. And then I asked, where's, where do I want to go? Where's the music? You know, I want a session with, with good Irish music, you know, and uh, uh, I don't want to hear uh, any American music. I want to hear a real session. So I ended up at uh, my favorite place um, called the Crane Bar. Uh, it's one of the oldest um, uh, sessions. Irish sessions in uh, trad sessions or traditional sessions in the world, 42, 43 years. It's been going on Sunday afternoons, run by Sean Ryan, a world renowned, world class uh, um, tin whistle player. So that's where I first place I went and I sat and listened. And because they'll go around the, the session and, and each, you know, pick a song. And it's mostly 
instrumental, you know, jigs and reels and such and, and waltzes. And then um, they ask if anyone wants to sing. And usually that'll be one of the old timers doing some Shano style, which is that, you know, uh, acapella with a lot of movement in the voice, very interesting old fashioned style. That'll usually happen. And then maybe, you know, a couple others and they'll, I'll say, all right, can I do one? And then I'll do, usually I'll do, you know, American folk music, you know, uh, Americana. And uh, that's it. Then you're part of the family. You know, they love it. They're like, wow, can you do another one? And um, so that's how it started, just that easily where, um, you know, you hear about the Irish culture and the Irish people and how welcoming they are. And and, uh, it couldn't be more true. And then their culture is so completely entrenched in the music and the dancing that if you partake you're you're in you know so that first trip um even on that first trip people said no no I want you come and stay with me and I said okay so musicians would invite me to stay at their place that I just met because immediately the music creates a bond and that's just true everywhere it doesn't matter what language yeah. you speak when i stayed in france i stayed with a, uh, a group of people that only one and a half of them spoke english <laughs> it didn't make any difference we had music as yeah. as our as our main way and you know you work everything else out you can you can communicate very well through body language and all that kind of stuff and you learn a few words along the way so um that's what happened. And so I just traveled along the wild Atlantic way and I just feel an incredible power. I'm, I'm physically drawn to the land and the landscape and that edge of the ocean. Like, you know, we're here, I'm just four blocks from, from the ocean now. And uh, I've always been close, you know, I'm teaching in Point Pleasant, I'm, I'm, I'm four blocks from the beach and uh, I've always been, I'm of the sea, you know, I'm, I'm of the sea. So uh, I, it just, I feel, I honestly, I can't say there's any place else I've ever felt more alive. That's, I don't think I've ever said that out loud before, yeah. either, but I think, I think that's it for me, Cal. Um, there, and the music certainly is a humongous part of it, but it was even before that. It, it, it literally, I always felt it, it, it calling to me, pulling me mm-hmm. to be there. And my private time during the day, I'm, I'm, I'm usually alone. I'm driving up and singing to the cows. You've seen some of my videos of singing to the donkeys or singing to the cows, you know, but because I'm up in the land, I just go and park my car and I just get out and walk, you know, and uh, experience because it's the air is different. Everything's different. I can't explain it, you know. I'm sure scientifically we could talk about the electrons and the protons, you know, and the ions, but it really it feels it's it's a powerful energy, and I'm energized when I'm there. I'm energized when I'm there, and the welcome and the welcome is actually almost overwhelming. It's it's uh, it's just so beautiful, you know, and and this. This last time, so I was there for two weeks at my, on my birthday. So fast forward, that was my first trip in 2016. I've been there every summer for like six weeks at a time now. Oh, wow. And that is because I, I stay with many people, you know, that I've become friends with either they're musicians or they heard me sing and we've become friends and they're saying, come on back, you know, and I'm the kind of person, if you invite me, I'm going to be there, Cal. So let everybody watch out. If you invite me. I'm going to show up. Uh, but by the same token, uh, when I invite you, um, you are truly welcome and I will make, make a place for you and, and treat you like a king. That's, you know, I would, I, I actually, I've had Patsy McCoy, uh, whom I, as she's a great entertainer and musician, uh, singer and keyboard player. She's been entertaining all over Ireland and actually Scotland and England uh, for 50 some years. She stayed with me a year ago for New Year's Eve and the whole month of January. And so I have a key to her house and she has a key to my house. Cool. And then Joe Mackey was my very first friend there. 
And uh, I stayed at his house often and he stayed with me and my family for Thanksgiving one year. Oh, cool. So it's cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I listened to your your thing with, with, with Ireland, and it's hard to explain. Uh, I, I had that thing with Sedona, uh, Arizona, and, and I had it for many, many years. And, and, and the power of music. One time years ago, I, I had when I was out to Sedona my first time, I bought uh, Coyote Oldman. Uh, it's Incan pan pipes and Native American music, and it, it haunted me. And and I remember That's some so years beautiful. haunted me, uh, uh, really haunted me. Native American, uh, I didn't know why it haunted me that way. But one time I was sitting here listening to it, and I, I my poor wife has to endure all this stuff. <laughs> I, I said the next day, I, I got to go to Sedona, goodbye. And and I, I went out, I flew out there. <laughs> so funny. And I love I, you, <laughs> I flew out there and I stayed, you know, a few days, drove around. Um, and of course, some years later, uh, I, I did one of those genetic things, uh, uh, 23andMe. And it came back that uh, I have a couple of Native American genes. Go figure. But anyway, uh, it, it was I a sidewalk. But it, no, it's, so, wait. So, so let me go on that. So. So from 2016 till till now, I've gone every year and I've gone two winters now. My birthday was December 6th. So I decided to treat myself and I went for two weeks. And so I wanted to hear uh, my favorite female singer that I've ever heard live, which I heard for my first trip in 2016. Again, my, the universe took me to this woman. Her name is, I don't know if I'm saying it properly, Eilish. E-I-L-I-S, Eilish, I believe is how you say it, uh, uh, Kennedy. And she sings in Carnegie Hall and all over the world uh, in Celtic things and duos. And she's just, but when I, I heard her sing in a tiny little pub called John Benny's Pub, in uh, which is her, she and her husband's uh, pub in Dingle. And um, you know me, Cal, I always want to sing. And if I'm somewhere and I'm invited to sing, I'm right there, no worries. But this was an experience that I have never had before or since where I was so enthralled with what I was hearing that I was, I felt like I was levitating. I never get, I've met many very famous people of all kinds. And, I don't really get starstruck. I don't act like a goof. Well, I did in this little pub with this woman <laughs> when she finished singing because I, I was literally beclamped. I was overwhelmed with the beauty, with this crystal clear sound live and these high notes with no effort whatsoever, just, just flowing from this woman in English and in Irish. Um, and I couldn't believe it. You know, I go to a lot of concerts. I go to listen to everybody, you know. Um, and again, Bonnie Raitt, nobody beats Bonnie Raitt. You know, she, she's, uh, she's the gal. She's the one on, on, from so many different angles for me. Uh, and that'll never change. But this, because it's completely different, this crystal clear voice, I was amazed. So that was my first night in Dingle. I was taken there. So then I went back two nights later and uh, Eilish was told um, that I was a singer. Wow. So Michael Hurley, he is leaning over. He's the, he, he's the one who invited me there. He's her friend and he has the uh, music store. As a matter of fact, he made this necklace for me, my name in Irish. Um, so he leans over and tells her that I'm a singer. And she says, oh, Sharon, you're a singer, come on up. And I almost had a heart attack because I didn't want to sing. And what am I going to sing? I'm in this, and she's doing Irish music and Irish folk music and, and British and Scottish folk music, really beautiful stuff. And I was humming, humming, you know, not usually the way I am when it comes to getting ready to sing. And so I went up and I didn't know what to do. And it just came into my head. It's the first time I did it. Um, 
I had learned this Appalachian Mountain song, uh, You'll Never Leave Harland Alive. And it's about coal miners. And she had just done a coal miner song because who's in the coal mines? <laughs> all of the Irish, all the Celtics, right? All the Scots. So, um, and there's the connection with the music also. So I did that song acapella and it was this whole life-changing experience for me again where people just they went crazy the people and I met Joe Mackey there he heard me sing there for the first time and, and uh uh so it's just been a magical adventure and people keep saying like why do you keep going back why don't you travel somewhere else well I plan on going to Costa Rica the next time but this welcome and this pull now, you did the 23 and Me. Well, I've been meaning to do it, but I, I just haven't rushed to do it. Well, this past year, I was contacted by my father's mother's family. My father's Lasher, which we don't really know exactly what that means, Lasher. We're not really sure. There's different theories about it. But um, his mother is Cox and the rest is, is Irish. May Cox. Well, I knew about the ones over here. And I thought the brothers had died off and that was it. Well, I met five out mm -hmm. of eight, five out of eight Cox cousins who lived in Nutley, grew up in Nutley, half an hour away from me my whole life. And I right. never met them. Wow. Met, met them in November. Wow. Peggy Cox and all of the family. And they're all my age. There's six, there's six of them. Like there's six, no, there's eight of them. There's six of my family. There's eight of them all in our age range. So Peggy has been doing all the research, extensive amounts of research for years. And so she tells me that we got a whole bunch of Cox families still living in Ireland now, some on the family farm. Wow. I had no idea. Wow. So on my birthday, this past De December 6th, I was standing on my father's mother's family farm in Roscommon. Uh, with cousins that I was never aware of. Wow. I thought that when I, I knew that I would start to look, my, my, my trips have been for me and my mental health and for my musical knowledge and, and, and all of that. And I knew I would eventually look and I knew on my, I mean, my mother's side, uh, oh my gosh, my, my phone is powering off even though it's plugged in. Cal. Oh. oh my God.